Nope, I haven't seen any of these movies that we're talking about. Would it be so bad if an 84-year-old got into heroin? Welcome to the Cat Organizational Podcast. You idiot. It's written down in front of you, you idiot. This is like the buffalo chicken wrap of answers. I haven't heard about hot orcs in a while. We were so horny for motion controls in 2005. I can't wait to come back and tell you how it was Noah's Ark, you asshole. I would also like to retroactively say I've never had cotton candy acid. So Andrew's 100% doing a voice, right? Everybody get off IMDb now. Time to record. This episode and probably this whole this whole podcast is a mistake. No, I'm going to talk about One Piece. All right, three, <laughs> two, one. Hello, welcome to Debate This, the show where we talk about One Piece. No, I don't want to talk about One Piece. No, I, I want to talk either. about anything other than One Piece. Uh, hello, welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong, uh, especially Matt, because he's wrong about... <laughs> About everything about One Piece being bad. About Ghost Rider and about One Piece. Bringing some weird energy to this. This is a sidebar. This is you're not supposed to attack me. This is a sidebar. In this show, we talk about comic books, video games, and how I am uh, basically just sweat at this point. So <laughs> we're we're not going to talk about One Piece today. Instead. We're going to go back to the wonderful world of comics. Now, normally, folks, for a sidebar discussion like today's, you would see us breaking down the latest MCU movie, maybe talking about rumors or the three separate occasions that Todd definitely attempted to watch Dark Phoenix on a plane. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I spent I spent over 24 hours on two planes <laughs> to and from New Zealand, and it took three tries. You, you've put more effort into watching Dark Phoenix than I have in my career. yeah unfortunately since as many of you know the world came to a screeching halt a few months ago we're going to have to i wasn't aware (laughs) i missed we're going to instead reflect on the past in order to move forward into the future isn't that 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 one x-men movie that's an x-men movie isn't it (laughs) it sure is we're just fortunate that podcasts can get directly beamed into my fallout bunker that i've retreated (laughs) into Uh, and because we mostly like to talk about things that are bad here on our show, I've gotten the band back together for one last rodeo so each of us can share our personal examples of a movie that we each secretly love but know that everyone else hates. So, joining me today are Kyle Fortastic Harper. <laughs> it's fan <fan-forstic. laughs> Sorry, Fortastic is my father. Which, which, is a, <laughs> which is a movie I tried to watch on a plane in a similar capacity. Uh, Todd Halle Berry's Horned Up Basketball Ooh. Adventure, Thomas. <laughs> which Man, I that's watched a, for the yep. first time today. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. I'm glad you did. I haven't seen Catwoman, but I've seen that clip eight times. That's all you need to see <laughs> is that clip. It doesn't go down smoother anytime either. No, no, it's it's bad. And finally, Matt, this workplace has gone 72, I mean zero days without talking about Ghost Rider, Cole. <laughs> that is how I feel about my whole life this week. It had been a couple of months since I thought about Ghost Rider, and I've thought about Ghost Rider every yeah. day since Monday. Yeah. Now, um, listeners at home, I know we, we, we uh, hit you with some weird energy here, and we're going to keep that weird energy going. Um, we're going to talk about today um, the fact that, you know, there are a lot of things that the internet loves to dunk on. Nickelback, um, <laughs> other, e- other examples. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of any other examples. It depends on the week. But, um, and, and many of those things certainly deserve it. 
But uh, there are others out there that I, I think are more hated because it's cool to hate on, i.e. Nickelback. And again, we're not going to get into Nickelback because Matt's already talking about <laughs> Ghost Rider. And if Matt talks about Nickelback and Ghost Rider, the universe explodes. Matt's pulling up one of his like 20-page files on his computer about Nickelback. Adjust yeah. glasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think it would be, I think it was, it's, it could be a fun exercise to just go around and talk about a little bit about what's a good example of one of those, like just commonly hated superhero movies and, and then get into a little bit about one, you know, why they're hated or what's like the one thing that's most notorious. Um, and then what are they actually redeemable about? Let me say that again. What's actually redeemable <laughs> about them? Um, who wants to start? Todd, do you Man, want to start? I'll, I'll we start. start Todd? I'll start. <laughs> Just because I know that you also want to talk about the same hero in a different franchise. And I did not do the extensive research that I think the other two uh, same. fellows <laughs> did. So, so it is not necessarily my favorite uh superhero movie by far but i think it was a movie that was supposed to be really really good and just wasn't so i want to talk about amazing spider-man 2 so this is not um sam raimi spider-man this is uh something webb webb was the last name of the guy oh, uh, mark um, webb mark webb um which is kind of wild yeah <laughs> last name's webb and you you know we're the director of yeah. spider-man movie so to, to step back a minute and go to Amazing Spider-Man 1, I think it was a pretty good movie. Um, it did well in the box offices. People liked Andrew Garfield enough. Um, it had a lot of good things as far as it introduced the lizard as a bad guy, which is, like, I think very good when it came to introducing Spider-Man, like a new franchise. It was like a solid B origin story. Like, yeah. I was well, excited to see where that where it was headed. Mm-hmm. Well, what I what I liked was the way that they did it was they obviously gave you the whole like runaround of he's been bitten by a spider, blah blah blah. But like he dealt with a threat that was extremely street level and personal to his life. Like that was like, hey, it's Spider Man, he can do these things. So, you know, obviously when the Spider Man two was rolling around, they wanted to like broaden it a little bit. I have a list of things that are very wrong with this movie, <laughs> but I think, and, and I think the biggest thing is just going to be like, they just tried to pour gas on a fire and just try and blow open the entire Spider-Man universe to try and, um, I guess, catch up to what Marvel was doing. So, Hey, Todd, just question, because again, like as a self-proclaimed Spider-Man fi- fan, I have never seen the amazing Spider-Man movies and I, I don't intend to. I think um, I have them on DVD. Cool. Keep them. Um, <laughs> for just for a sense of context, so Spider-Man three, Spider-Man three, Raimi style came out in oh seven. Yeah, it was around. It was the late, yeah. late. It was pre twenty. Wait, I have that because uh, Spider-Man three was May fourth of two thousand and seven. So when was Amazing Spider-Man one? I do so, not know. Twenty twelve. Um, it was twenty twelve. That's, that's not enough time. Well. Nope. And it's so, not and, enough time. And the thing is that this reboot came off the heels of them canceling Spider-Man 4. So right. Spider-Man 4 was supposed to happen, and they're like, mm, nah, we, you know what? We made a mistake in the third Spider-Man by trying to cram too much in. So let's bail. Let's start again in a couple years. And then when we do the sequel to that movie, let's cram as much in as we can because we didn't learn our lesson the first time. We see yeah. that we gave you too much. Now consider what if we gave you more, <laughs> more than that? <laughs> yeah. What if, like, in Spider-Man 3, they were like, let's give you a functioning Green Goblin that goes from uh, enemy to ally. Let's give you Sandman and his complete story. Also, let's give you Venom. Just 
let's give you Venom. You want it. You want it <laughs> yeah. so you can have it. And so anyway, when they got to Amazing Spider-Man 2, they, they jumped at it too quick. Too much too soon. That <laughs> The note I put in here was ham-fisted with too many characters. And so in Amazing oh, yeah. Spider-Man 2... Uh, did the other? I know Andrew didn't see it, but did you other two see Amazing Spider-Man two? I did. I did not. I won't lie. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Kyle said that with a thousand yard stare. So, yeah. so Todd, I'm I'm waiting to hear the, the redeemable parts you find. In I, this movie. I think I have like two or three, uh, and most of them are they allowed Tom Holland to exist. Um, but, <laughs> but the uh, the thing about Amazing Spider-Man two is that so in one you don't get Harry Osborn, you do not get Peter's friend Harry. What you do get is you get Harry Osborn in Amazing Spider-Man 2 looking very emo-like, and you immediately are like, all right, you're going to be a bad guy, but when are you going to be a bad guy? Oh, and they, it's so awful, because he doesn't come into like halfway through the movie either. And then like half an hour later, they're like, you are full-on Green Goblin now. You are sick, and you took a or you took some sort of venom. They, I think they call it a venom. You took a, a weird venom, <laughs> and it's given you goblin-like features, and you have to wear this machine so that you don't die, and now you're the Green Goblin. Here you go. And so, like... They ran off with all this shit. There's three, three villain origin stories in that movie, if I'm not mistaken. Technically, so they give you they give you Green Goblin just in full. Yeah. Um. They give you Electro, which mm-hmm. also in full. Like, yeah. Which I liked Jamie Fox. I did not like him as Electro. I think no, they, they did a bad <laughs> job. But it was I like terrible performance by Jamie Fox. <laughs> yes. Um. And then they give you just at the very end, probably the biggest crime they had here was Paul Giamatti as Rhino. What? They, Paul so, Giamatti's in that so, picture? Time out. What? I'll get you there. Stick with me. So the opening scene of the movie is there's this guy who's like this this Russian crazed scientist or something stealing this MacGuffin. And it's a really cool scene where Spider-Man's like chasing the, the car down the street. He's doing backflips and he's catching it. And nothing can shatter. And it's really fantastic. Well, it's Paul Giamatti. And he does the typical <laughs> Spider-Man thing by like catching him, like webbing his pants down to his ankles, then like hanging him upside down or something. I don't know. Whatever. But, now. No, wait. Okay, wait. Okay, okay. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. They showed Paul Giamatti in the Rhino outfit in the teaser trailers. So you know it's coming. Mm-hmm. Featured heavily in all the promotional art too he had a yeah uh, his own poster however to spoil this movie for you um emma watson who plays gwen stacy as the love interest which was good wait hold on no i'm gonna stop you it's emma stone emma stone emma Stone. Emma stone different emma both are great um emma stone who plays uh Emma Stone, if you're listening, we're sorry. (laughs) Sorry about it. She plays Gwen Stacy as the love interest, which they ditched MJ um, to start, which I thought was a cool plan. Anyway, she dies, and it's a good death. It's a great scene. Yeah. Now, that's one of the redeeming, like, three things that I noted today. It's also the one redeeming quality about uh, uh, that character, Gwen Stacy's character, is that she always dies. Yeah. Um, But, so when she dies, Spider-Man's like, no, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. However, at the very, very end, he picks back up the mask and it shows him like standing down Paul Giamatti as the rhino. (laughs) And so they built up Paul Giamatti in all these previews and you don't even get to see Spider-Man fight him. Because it cuts oh, yeah. away. Cuts to, cuts to credits immediately. Cuts to credits to be like Spider-Man oh, is back no. fighting crime now. It's No, it, it cuts. It like totally cuts to credits. Like there's no post credit scene of him fighting Rhino. Nope. 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 Nothing. The post credit scenes is peculiar. the post credit scene is a big tease to Sinister Six. So this movie 
that came out in 2014 was just a huge thing where it's like, we need to just set pace and dump gas in it, and we need to build a whole universe. We got to go. We can't wait. Where in reality, they could have just like fixed so much of everything by just giving it a little bit of pacing. If they would have taken some of what they decided just to like fly into and save it for the third one, they could have potentially built up to have like this full trilogy and then a trilogy after it. Now, like to hit some of the redeeming qualities, I already said Emma Stone, she was great as uh, shit. Now I'm going to keep forgetting her name. Gwen uh, Stacy. Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy. There it is. She Emma was Stone. great as Emma Watson. Emma Watson. <laughs> uh, Emma Stone was, was great as Gwen Stacy and like her death scene is really, really good. I also think it's always really good when a comic book movie, superhero movie is brave enough to like kill a major character just because it doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. I give them credit for doing some not yet visited Spider-Man villains like Electro and Rhino. Um, I give me give me Rhino. I want that. I want a dude in a big Rhino suit who flips cars and punches things. I want I want Paul Giamatti. I want Paul Giamatti back as Rhino. <laughs> I didn't realize yeah. I wanted Paul Giamatti in the MCU until just yeah. now. I think that's the I think that's the biggest casualty there is like Paul Giamatti absolutely deserves to be a villain. Yeah, but not like that. He did yeah. a, he did a good job for what he was on scene. Like when we're done here today, both you like you three, <laughs> especially you two that haven't seen the it. Royal we, all yeah, of us. the Royal all we, of us here all of planet us. Earth. Um, the 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 Spider's Man. We should <laughs> go and just watch the YouTube clips of Paul Giamatti from this movie. <laughs> oh, I just saw the Paul Giamatti picture in the notes. That's pretty good. Um, and. You at home as well. Like, just watch this Paul Giamatti clips because they're good. He put work into the character. <laughs> yeah, and then got dropped on his face in the end when they're like, sorry, we're out. Because Paul Giamatti is somebody who 100% fits into Michael Keaton's Sinister Six. Like, if you yeah. put oh, Paul Giamatti's yeah. Rhino with Michael Keaton's <laughs> Wait, Vulture. Man. <laughs> Can we just have a movie that's Michael Keaton's Sinister Six? <laughs> and it's an Ocean's <laughs> Eleven-style heist movie. It's <laughs> 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 just Michael Keaton saying, all right, boys, time to roll out. Uh, the, the last 100%. two... 100%. The last yeah. two, I think, redeeming things that come from this is that um, I, I do think Andrew Garfield got a bad hand dealt to him because I think he was... Not a bad Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Um, I think he was he was a bit more like leaning on the nerdy, awkward Peter Parker than you want him to be. But I don't think he was bad by any stretch of the imagination. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Amazing is an actual like separate run of Spider-Man, right? It's yes. one of the runs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and and then, wait, hold on, clear this up for me because again, I I haven't seen yeah, it, honestly. I'm realizing I haven't seen either of the Andrew Garfield movies. I just decided. I have the DVD. I decided as I, that I, as I formally <laughs> mentioned. No, it's okay. You can keep them. I, I just decided that I didn't like them, but I'm realizing I've never seen either of them. Um, yeah. Isn't the Amazing Spider-Man comic the one where he has the web canisters versus the regular Spider-Man where he yes. doesn't have the web canisters? No, he always. I think that's. Them. I think that's flipped. Yeah. Okay. The the cartoon and the the cartoon the original canon I think he doesn't and the cartoon he does. And the cartoon I believe was based on the like 70s or 80s run perhaps. 
Sure. Okay. Which is which is I think the same from the from what Raimi is pulled from. This is a long walk to the park for me to ask it, you. It doesn't matter. Todd, who has seen these movies, does Andrew Garfield have web canisters? Yes or web no? Web canisters. Yes. Yes. He okay. Makes yes. Some, he we, he makes web canisters himself in the movie. Gotcha. Yeah. On a Sony on a Sony Vio. <laughs> dated as fuck yeah i i honestly that's probably one yeah. of my shortcomings as a like spider-man fan is that i don't know what the settled history slash origin of like web canisters or not but i i having been like having cut my teeth on comic book cartoons it was always web canisters so that's what mm-hmm. i choose to have as the canon sure people were pretty upset when the raimi spider-man yeah didn't Use oh yeah, you're right. Well, he, I remember you know that. that the that people was, that are sitting in the flips. theaters largely watched the comic book or the uh, the the cartoon. So why would you make that choice? I know actually, I know why he made that choice. So that so that Jack Black during the MTV Movie Awards could then make the joke about Spider Man shooting web on a picture of an actress. That was a thing oh. that happened. Oh, um, it was it was a jizz joke, is what it was. <laughs> Thanks for writing that one out, Todd. It was, I a, it was a it was a different time. Yeah. The okay. So the last redeemable thing that I think does come from this movie, as I kind of said before, we did get Tom Holland out of this, out of the divorce. Um, <laughs> but the other thing was that because this bombed when it did, when we did get Tom Holland in Civil War, which Civil War came out in like sixteen, 15, I just looked. 16. It was sixteen. Nice. So because this bombed in twenty fourteen, we got a reboot which then led to Tom Holland coming into Civil War fresh for that reboot to do whatever he wants to two years later. Um, that also meant that because they didn't sprint through whatever they were doing here, when we finally did get Venom, which I'm not here to talk if Venom was a good movie or not, because that's its own It's thing. not. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's good enough, and it's, it suffered it's, from bad it's writing. Good at, it's good at being a bad movie. <laughs> I have more faith in the second one. I'm not here to talk about Venom. Is your faith um, in Woody Harrelson, or...? it's My faith is that they, they, the feedback they got was, your writing was bad, your movie could have been good. And that they're like, all right, maybe we'll actually uh, do good writing now. Nah. Anyway, Sweet maybe they won't. Child. I'll still go see it. Not <laughs> of in course theaters. Will, and, that's why, and that's why. And that's, and that's what, why that's they're not going to change. Because <laughs> okay, they I'm know here to talk about Andrew Garfield's <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man 2. The point being, because this bombed, it then let, because the forest burnt down, life could grow anew. And I think that's what's <laughs> important here with the Amazing Spider-Man to Electric So Boogaloo. one of its redeemable qualities is it was so bad they had to start over again. They had to they had to tear apart the house and take <laughs> all the good pieces they could and sell them and be like, "All right, we're going to try a new here." It's like it's like when your if your toilet uh overflows and causes damage in your ceiling and then that reveals that you had black mold in your house. Yeah. So <laughs> and you're so, like, "Thank you toilet for unclogging <laughs> for find, helping me find that." And that is my analogy for Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. Anyway, I'm just here to say Paul Giamatti should be in the Marvel Universe. Paul Giamatti, hit us up. Call, call, call me. <laughs> call us. Call Todd. Call Todd. Me. Call one, to me specifically. One eight hundred. Call Todd. Um, okay, Kyle. Why don't you talk about a movie that you actually like? So the movie I'm here to talk about is Man of Steel. Boo. Zack <laughs> <Yeah>. Schneider, <laughs> Superman movie launching the the weird Justice League cinematic universe we're living in 
Kyle, before you start, can I tell one brief anecdote about Man of Steel? Please do. Please. Okay, so for the longest time as I was growing up, my dad and I would go and see all of the Superman movies in theaters together. Honestly, we'd see all the superhero movies in theaters together, but my dad's a big Superman fan. And when we went and saw, uh, I have it written down because I don't remember what it's called. Um, I don't know. The bad Superman Maybe Superman Returns was Superman no, Returns a bad one. It wasn't the best. Yeah, I think I think it was Superman Returns. We went and saw Superman Returns and we watched the whole movie and both of us were like, that was awful. That was so <laughs> bad. That's the um, the Kevin Spacey one, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that happened. Yada, yada, yada. Life goes mm-hmm. on. And I was working at a summer camp when Man of Steel came out and my dad, because we weren't in the same town went and saw man of steel without me. And I texted him the night of the movie. I was like, dad, like how was man of steel? Cause I'm going to go see it this weekend. Like as soon as it's my off day. And my dad was like, do you remember Superman returns? And I was like, yeah. He was like, do you remember how bad that was? I was like, yeah. He was like, it was much worse. Oh no. So (laughs) that's my, that's my frame of reference for man of steel. And I'm curious to hear your five pages of notes. (laughs) Well, we'll see what we we'll see what gets used out of that. Um, so, what Man of Steel is the the Zack Snyder Superman movie, um, hot off the, the heels of Batman or The Dark Knight Returns. That's very much what Zack Snyder was told to make was make mm-hmm. the Dark Knight Returns of Superman movies. Sure, and that's what we got, and that was a bad decision. So, within that is a good movie is what I'm saying. Like if Zack Schneider mm-hmm. had gotten to, or didn't try to like copy Christopher Nolan's like weird out of order storytelling and made a movie, we might've gotten a better movie than we did. It's got like Henry Cavill is an amazing Superman. Like looks the part a little too emotionless, but like that's bad directing. He could have been better. Michael Shannon was a very good Zod. I thought he was a good Zod. I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. Had it had all the all trappings. The it, it had was all like the right parts. On paper, it just, yeah. It just didn't get put together properly. So I've not seen in full any of the older Superman movies. I've just seen like bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I enjoyed some of the storytelling they did. But again, I, I lean back on, now that I know what you just said, that they built it after the the Dark Knight Rises. Is that what you said? Yes. Um, now that I know that like that was the framework, I can see where they went wrong because like I don't need gritty start to yeah. Henry Cavill's Superman. I need Precisely. like I need I need less of that, and I need more of what they the tones they were going for in the first Captain America movie, where yeah. it's like you're a beacon of hope and good, and shit just sucks. Right, and tone tone is what it's all about. And we'll we'll talk about it a little bit, but I mean like that's not Superman. Like that's Batman. That's not Superman. <laughs> yeah, and that's. And that's basically like if you fix that, if you fix not making a Batman movie again, it could have mm-hmm. been a good movie. Zack Schneider, you know, he he reads he reads the comics, he adapts, he read Watchmen, he did his best to be faithful to the Watchmen comic. He is a great he sets up a great shot. He has some there's amazing shots in that movie of Superman like the fights are feel very intense and like 
you kind of get a the best feel for like how strong and powerful Superman is in this movie. Um, when he's fighting Zod, you see him try. He tries to do the Beacon of Hope thing. He just does it. He tells it and doesn't show it as well as a better director would have. If we're looking to pile the trash then on what we don't <laughs> like about this movie, um, I found the somewhat nameless Kryptonian super soldiers that Superman had to fight to just break up the movie and the add mini more. bosses. Yeah, the mini bosses to just show more destruction. I felt that I thought that was bad. I thought that was that was bad. And that's the other thing is Zack Schneider needs a better editor. Because it's like a three-hour movie that could have been an hour and a half. That is, yeah. I think we were, we might have been talking about this before we started recording, but um, I fell asleep watching this. And that, this is like, this came out when I was really, like, really starting to get into, like, midnight releases of movies. And, like, I was living in Florida at the time. And so I was, like, going to them by myself, like, which is a weird thing to do, <laughs> but that's what I did. And, like, for this to be a superhero movie that I had not seen yet that I watched at a buddy's house and I fell asleep watching at like yeah. 8 p.m. on a Friday. <laughs> like I, I fell asleep for half, for a, probably a good half an hour and woke up. And I was like, oh no, I still know what's going on. All right, we're, we're good. Yeah, because did, because it's a superhero movie. Like there's, it doesn't need to be, I mean, no superhero movie needs to be three hours. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. Yep. A- Endgame wasn't even three hours. Oh, yeah. I want to hear the redeeming parts of this movie. Yeah, so, yeah. I Where's also want butt? that, yes. The redeeming parts are the um, the action. I l- think the action and the... F- I thought the fight scenes did a very good job of showing, like, you know, two Kryptonians fighting. Mm-hmm. Br- the, the Superman Returns, my biggest complaint is um, Superman didn't feel strong because the things he was lifting didn't feel real because they were CGI. Mm-hmm. And this felt very... He, felt very real in the world. Can I, to, to point out more stuff about this movie that was bad, when his dad gets torn away by a tornado. Oh. And, and the, only, the only reason why, did, okay, everyone here, is, everyone here has seen this, right? Nope, I haven't seen any of these movies oh. that we're talking about. That's my whole what I would fix. Oh, okay, is. then I'll leave it for you. Because, like... <laughs> I'm never going to watch this. So you please, sp- please spoil it. I'll let Kyle say it. Because when I watch that moment, I'm like, this is stupid. And I'm like, <laughs> when you watch a comic book movie, and you're pulled out of the reality, and you're like, well, this is just dumb that he didn't solve this problem, because he's the most powerful hero on Earth. To set it up, um, Pa Kent dies. Um, Clark Kent's mm-hmm. dad. Adoptive dad. Um his name is also Martha. Martha. Everyone's name is Martha. Isn't it Tom? Um, or am I thinking of Thomas Welling, who played Superman in Smallville, which is the only Superman <laughs> canon that I know? Superman's dad's name. Jonathan. John. Sure. Jonathan Kent. Um, Perfect. He gets he gets sucked up by a tornado and dies because what? Who gets sucked up by wait, a tornado? Wait. Because he tells his son. Superman, not to save him, to protect his secret. Yeah, because what? if Superman would use his super speed to go save his dad, half a dozen people would know that he is Superman, and that's too much. Yeah, of course. <laughs> he could just kill them. Well, that's not the <laughs> no point. one would know. No, no, that's not the point. Or he could just be like, "Hey, I'm Superman. Don't tell anyone. Me, this nondescript white dude yeah. who you may not ever see again." Yeah, like it. What? 
Yeah, and it's supposed yeah. to be this really emotional moment when like Superman's getting ready to go save his dad, and his dad just holds up his hand. <laughs> Well, he's, he's like, like flying in a tornado. Well, like before the tornado <laughs> before just like takes him away. Yeah, he's like pinned pinned in a car again, and that's stupid. dumb. It's it so dumb. dumb. Yeah. So that's my. We'll we'll cover that more when we in what okay. would I fix? That's all. It I've was a bad it. movie. It was it was a, a bad movie. movie. It it could have been better. Uh, I mean, I, unlike Spider Man, this is a franchise that they haven't really been able to make a good movie of since like what the Christopher Reeve movies. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 get, I think those are generally considered like pretty good, at least the first couple ones, maybe. Yeah. Even, even that, the next time they visited him was Batman versus Superman, which like yeah. wasn't a good movie. Mm-mm. And then after that, they brought him back for Justice League, which was also not a good movie. And then Henry Cavill wasn't even signed on to be Superman for a while because he didn't do the cameo right. in Shazam at the end of the movie. Yeah. Because he at that point he wasn't signed back on, but now he is signed back on. Wh- which one was the digital mustache? Was uh, uh, Justice, League. Justice League. Okay. <laughs> which one was Ben Affleck in? Batman uh, versus, versus Superman. Superman and Justice, Justice League. League. Wait. Oh, Ben Affleck was Batman. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. Batfleck. I've not seen any. He's DC. the beefy Batman. I've never seen any DC movies. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So, uh, okay, Matt. Is it my turn? It. Oh, yeah. Turn, okay. So, to crack, s- crack your beers now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> to stay on brand, I'm here to talk about Ghost Rider, of course. And I think I've said on the podcast a few times that Ghost Rider 2007, starring Nicolas Cage and Eva Mendez, is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I. Well, An MBA's thesis by Matt Cole. <laughs> <laughs> I will hear all the arguments that like it's not good or whatever, but like it's one of my favorite movies. That being said, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance in the vernacular Ghost Rider 2, but I found out this week it's not a sequel. Anyway, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance is, in my opinion, possibly the worst movie of all time ever. So... Ghost Rider 2007, I want to talk about in this like first question of what is a movie that I like that everybody else dunks on, and that is the first Ghost Rider movie, which I am again here to tell you that if it were released today with minimal changes, it would be one of the better MCU movies. Because, and again, I watched both of these this week, the 2007 Ghost Rider has all of the makeups of a good MCU movie. And it's sort of scripted similarly to like Ant-Man or Guardians of the Galaxy or Thor Ragnarok. I'm not going to say it's like the top tier MCU movie by any means, but it's got the scripting of a more comedic superhero movie. Okay. It's got the, yeah. It's got the dark comedy. Doesn't take itself too seriously. It's got the quips already. Right. And honestly... 2007 Ghost Rider, watching it 13 years later, holds up. Like, the movie looks good. Uh, The CGI is not laughable. It's not over the top. Like, 2007 is that prime Transformers era of, like, this is too much. This is just too much CGI. Mm -hmm. And Ghost Rider 2007 isn't that. It's got the right amount of CGI, and it's not painful to watch, which is... Good. Um, Which is a good start. (laughs) Yeah. I think the thing this movie gets dumped on for the most is, of course, Nicolas Cage. 
because why wouldn't you dump on Nicolas Cage? And I am here to make this <laughs> Hollywood's easiest target. <laughs> I am that is here. that is the children's book that I was read as a child. <laughs> why wouldn't you dump on Nicolas Cage? <laughs> I am here to make the same argument I have made for 13 years, which is Nicolas Cage is a great choice for the character of Johnny Blaze because Johnny Blaze is supposed to be this very aloof loner. Sold his soul, his emotions, all of his love, everything. Much like Nick Cage did years ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sold everything to the devil at the crossroads and is a shell of a man. Now, Ghost Rider 2007 did a really good job of taking the incredibly convoluted backstory of Ghost Rider and distilling it down to a consumable, watchable movie, which is really important because trying to follow the story of Ghost Rider is awful. It's impossible. Ghost Rider is a character with a great backstory. Guy sells soul to devil to save dad. Dad dies because the devil always gets his deal, but the devil saved him from cancer, so whatever. But because Guy sold soul, devil turns Guy into flaming Ghost Rider motorcycle assassin bounty hunter for the devil. Great backstory. A tale as old as time. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now try and take that backstory and turn that into any sort of like future plot. It's garbage. It's convoluted. Fucking God is there. Archangels are there. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a mess. It doesn't really have legs. Yeah. There was a surprising amount of like movies based on like weird Christian folklore around this time too like it it definitely like fit into a notch that hollywood was trying to fill right because like constantine came out around the same time da vinci code oh, yeah. wasn't far da after vinci code isn't yeah. constantine a comic series too though yeah, yeah it's it is. dc i think yeah. um so yeah ghost rider 2007 takes a really convoluted storyline of the ghost rider distills it down into something that's easy to follow gives you nick cage like not overacting like this is not the most overacted Nick Cage movie that there is by a long shot. I would say that his performance in Ghost Rider 2007 is akin to his performance in uh, the first National Treasure movie where it's there. It's what you want that character to be like. You want that character to be mm -hmm. Nick Cage. It's just just the right amount of Cage. They, they kept the leash on him. <laughs> There's one scene of weird Nick Cage freak out, but like. They CGI'd it enough to make it make sense. It's fine. Eva Mendez is fine. The the subplot of Ghost Rider and Roxanne being this like lost lovers thing is fine. You could cut that whole thing out. It wouldn't change the movie. Whatever. Um, and yeah, it's pretty comic book accurate. A lot of the comic book characters are there. You have Mephisto as the devil, which is great. You've got Blackheart as the son of Mephisto, which is great. They threw Wallow in there, which is like a really deep comic book cut. So, I mean, that's mm. cool. They threw Carter Slade in there, which is awesome because Carter Slade was the first Ghost Rider before Ghost Rider became a flaming skull on a motorcycle back when it was a guy in a white suit on a horse in the 60s. Um, like they had a right. lot of good comic book callbacks. The CGI holds up. 
the the Ghost Rider fight scenes are pretty cool. I do remember what was really an, a, a very cringy part of this movie is how 2007 emo the villain is. Yeah. And that it is oh, it is the yeah. kid from American Beauty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's his name? Um, Wes Bentley. Yeah. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Wes, Wes Bentley's Bentley. Wes Bentley's Blackheart is probably the worst part of this movie, <laughs> if we're being completely honest. Yeah, it's it's real bad. Blackheart in the comics is like this huge black spiky demon. And they kept Wes Bentley as a human or like in a human form for most of the movie, which is really good. Cause like if you would have put big black spiky demon into this movie, then it really would have been too much. Um, a lot of the worst scenes are when like Wes Bentley's human form starts to warp into his demon form and it looks not great. Dreadful. Yeah. Uh, big black spiky demon is my favorite card to play in cards against humanity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, that's, 2007 Ghost Rider. Like, you've got a story that's easy to follow. You've got actors who fill the roles they need to fill. You've got CGI that isn't painful to watch. Like, this is a movie that gets dumped on because Nicolas Cage is the star when it has a lot more to offer than what you typically think of as Nicolas Cage stars in a movie. And for that, I, I say it's really good. There are a couple of bad things about it. It moves a little bit too fast. Um, some of it is convoluted. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. I have the extended director's cut two-disc special on DVD, and that's what I watched this week. And if you watch the extended cut, it all makes pretty decent sense. But the movie itself moves a little bit too fast. Says everyone. Yeah. yeah. With the director's cut. Right, I know. I'm an apologist. I'm I won't apologize for being a ghostwriter apologist, but the biggest drawback of the movie is that Blackheart and his gang of fallen angels is like a little rushed and a little ridiculous and they introduce one of these elemental archangels or archangels, excuse me, and they kill him four and a half minutes later, like a, just <laughs> right away. Well, they took, yeah. they took the same amount of time developing that archangel before they killed him as they did to develop Green Goblin as Harry Osborn before they fully <laughs> right. made him Harry, a Green Goblin. Right. Weren't the weren't those like like elemental like X X Games writers? Wasn't that the villain part of the villain too? Didn't they have? Weren't they all like BMX writers possessed by the devil or am I no, something that's completely different i so i have a weird you're you're pinging a weird memory in my brain <laughs> it's not ghost rider related i don't know what it is but um no no they're not uh they are so they're based on comic book characters only one of them is actually from the comic books and honestly in the theatrical cut they get no explanation it's just like they're there and that oh. was bad but in the extended cut, there is a small scene of them being like, you, Antichrist, why did you call us here? And him being like, to steal all these souls. And they're like, okay. And that's all right. about all the explanation that you get. <laughs> but so that part is bad. I'll admit that. Some of the writing is bad. Some of the directing, like camera angle wise, is weird. Most of the movie is very consistent. And then there are these moments of like, you know, under the chin camera shots and really <laughs> aggressive side shots. And it's like, yeah. eh, eh, 
Quit that. That image that you get if you open up the camera while you're looking at your phone. <laughs> and yeah. you go, oh. It's when everyone accidentally turns on self uh, selfie mode when they're on Instagram. <laughs> mm-hmm. You yep. just see your three chins. Uh, so, so Matt, would you say, like, to summarize, like, very similar to Man of Steel, like, on paper, it had all of the all of the elements, but just, like, that stew didn't cook? Honestly, I would even take it farther than Man of Steel. I would say that in 2007, when we didn't know what a good comic book movie looked like, mm-hmm. and our examples of great comic book movies were, like, X-Men 2, and the first Fantastic Four, and Raimi Man... Batman Begins had come out. Batman Begins, Batman Begins, sure. There was not room for like a B-grade superhero movie the way that now Guardians of the Galaxy has kind of paved that path for like, you don't need to be all action, all the time, A-list superhero, and you can have a ridiculous story and you can tell it in a way that yeah. is consumable. He's saying if this came out next year as a like, ant-man standalone type movie that sort of advances an mcu plot it would be judged about the same yeah yeah yep so to summarize and then i'll shut up basically if you any of you on this call the listeners the royal we go back and watch 2007's ghost rider and you will enjoy it more than you're expecting to i promise do not, however, Promises. watch 2011's Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, which I will talk about in the next question. A movie that makes you watch Ghost Rider take a flaming piss, not once, but twice. And I want to turn the mic over to someone else now. Thank you. Cool. Um, um, Ghost Rider is only available for streaming if you have stars. Okay. Well, I guess no <laughs> one's going to see Ghost Rider. Uh <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I'm going to, I'll just talk very briefly because, uh, Todd obviously already covered Spider-Man. So I wanted to talk uh, quickly about Spider-Man three, which I think is of these probably like the most memed, but maybe the most loved of these four movies. Maybe it's now in the same category. The internet holds the star Wars prequels where they're yeah. like, they, yeah, they celebrate we've, we've them for cooled. what they are. We've all cooled on it, but when it so I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit when it came when it came out. I was obviously it was huge into um, growing up with the cartoons. Like this was this was like my favorite time. Like growing like watching those those Sam Raimi movies, and um, I I think I think Batman Begins. While it's an important movie, I personally hated Batman Batman Begins when I first saw it. Um, I've obviously cooled off on it, but <laughs> I think it was it was a very bad thing to happen to comic book movies, and was kind of the beginning of the end of that era um and really we we didn't see this come back until i would argue guardians of the galaxy and and that's camp um man i love i love camp i mean that's 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 me too i i love anything that's campy and and i think what um, a really great thing about comic books is comics have a lot of camp and, and that's what i think is as you know, stood the test of time and is a really fun part of their personality. And, and the Raimi movies definitely had that, right? Like what I, what I love Mm -hmm. about the old Spider-Man cartoon is like Peter Parker is, is such a fucking nerd, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and he, and he, and he has all these like goofy, these dad joke one-liners and, and he's constantly like, man, what am I going to do next? Like, it's just, (laughs) it's just, it's so, it's so cheesy. And I, and I love that. And I've always loved that about specifically about Peter Parker. And I think, Toby Maguire really did capture that element of Peter Parker better than I would argue the other two that we have. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. It they they've they've always consistently had like Peter Parker equals nerd and I think like Tom Holland's take on is like 
what would Peter Parker be today? Which is like, that's fine. It's, it's good mm-hmm. for what it is. But, but Toby Maguire's was like legitimately like this guy's a fucking dork. Shoved, yeah. shoved into lockers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Lunch tray and, flipped over. And, and I think, yeah. you know, and they did a really good job in that in the first one. In the second one, he, we, we started getting away with that, like away from that, you know, he was, he's ripped now and like everybody loves him. And I think what they, what they tried to do with Spider-Man three was was obviously they 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 tripped over the finish line right and and todd already said it they did one too many things and i think if you would have removed one of the things that they were doing in spider-man 3 that would have been a great movie um the thing that you they should absolutely not have moved and then they they nailed is the emo the emo scene (laughs) i love that scene so i find us here standing on the hill that you wish to die yes, on. This is actually the hill. I've I have protected this scene since I saw it in the theater and I I will I will I will ghost rider this to my grave. So I have a I have a defense for it too, but I'm I'm interested yeah. to hear what, what Here, yours here's, is. Here's my tight five on that scene. I think Peter Parker is a is a dork. And Peter Parker, the whole point of getting the black suit and, and showing him that trans- transformation was he is doing something to sell that more that toys is, because he got it on a foreign planet as part planet. of the Secret Wars. Uh, because he's, <laughs> the intent is to show that Peter Parker is not inherently evil. He will never be evil. He doesn't know how to be a bad dude. And and Peter Parker, at his most villainous or at his most dark, is just kind of a turd (laughs) (laughs) and and he is such a a genuinely good person and he is such a a, such a boner that like (laughs) the most thing the most darkest thing that he can think of doing is like talking to a lady dancing at a jazz club going to a a jazz club club. yeah going to the footloose town like that's That's what he does, and he and he swipes. But again, like, and and that's that's what I loved about that is like he thought he was being really cool, but like everyone else was like, "What are you doing, you nerd?" Like, and <laughs> and that's that's what I loved about that. It was just it was so it was so like honest. Yeah. So yeah. So my defense of that because mm-hmm. like I think it should be defended because of course everyone hated it was that in the I again grew up watching the cartoon every day after school. The episode where he got the symbiote and he was running around in the black spider suit. At one point, I think he threatens Eddie Brock and he like he like picks him up off the ground and like says something like like, well, maybe it's maybe it's time that I grew a backbone and like throws him on the ground. And Mary Jane is like, I don't know what's gotten into you. Peter, like, I don't like this at all. (laughs) And the the narrative ends up being that, like, the symbiote amplifies, like, your worst behaviors or, like, it amplifies your worst emotions. And so, like, to me, his, like, the canon in the, the movie was that it, like, amplified his, like, selfishness or, like, desire to be cool or what he Mm -hmm. thought was cool. Like, it amplified a bad, like, character trait that he had. Um which like yeah, totally. obviously still it was very stupid that he was strolling down the street shooting finger guns at people <laughs> which, and like which, but doing that in front of that's the door. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is is the execution. Because yeah. I think everyone agreed with the idea, but everyone hated the execution. I'm defending the execution. I think the execution was spot on. <laughs> okay, well because I think, again, I think I'm gonna leave your hill. You can <laughs> because <have> again, it. <laughs> it, it was it was intended to. Be, I think it was very much intended. It was intended to be campy. It was it was it was intended to be. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't understand the situation. Todd would have liked the reactions in the background to have been more. Yeah. 
dramatic to get sure. to drive the point home is what <laughs> and, Todd well, is saying. Yeah, well, I again, think what like, I'm saying is that Andrew just has a really good point of view here on this hill that he's chosen to die on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't want to talk... I mean, I, again, like this, a lot of the same stuff has already been said about this movie. If they would have... The studio... Everyone knows this story. The studio fitted, you know, asked for Venom the last second. Mm-hmm. I think the movie was always... The movie was would have been fine with just the black symbiote and then him ending and like trying to get rid of the symbiote and and no one no one needed venom but yeah. that was retrofitted in. Um, I think I actually I also think the Harry Osborn stuff was good. I mean it, it could have been better. You know the whole again the whole trilogy was built on that relationship, so it mm. it it should have ended with Spider Man with Peter Parker and Harry Osborn in the clock tower and not Peter Parker and to- and uh, Topher Grace. Yeah, in the clock yeah. in the clock tower. That, that's, that's that's my hot take. That's actually a pretty good like solution that been, to yep. that movie. Yeah, yeah. That would have gotten them to the fourth installment. I think so. I think they they just they for whatever reason they like they tripped over the finish line. They're like, no, we got to do Venom right now, and it's just it, ugh. it, yep. it. It needed a whole movie, and and like we saw, maybe it needed more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it needed more than two. All right. Um. So I think we we covered this a little bit, but we'll, let's dive in a bit. So if you could implement just one one fix um and i i'll cede my time because i basically said what mine was but uh if you could just put in one fix to 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 improve your movie what would it be so the answer is again pacing i mean i think that's that's the answer but like to pull that apart a little bit more i think that they obviously put too much in that they tried to get spider-man to be like this huge hero when he was still kind of a ground level hero that they could have saved in that third movie that if they were going to bring Harry in in the second movie, they could have turned the Green Goblin turn at the third movie, not the second movie. Also, uh, this is just like a, a, a real quick quip in here. And I don't think the other two Spider-Man trilogies have done this near as much. They talked or at least hinted or discussed a lot of Peter's parents in The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, which is not something the other trilogies have done. So yeah. Peter's parents are like spy scientists um they were yeah yeah so like and that's the thing we don't need to talk about it and that's my note in here i don't care to learn about it it's not relevant to what's going on here it was all building into that same sinister six story yeah sure like their research was trying to replicate the sinister six were trying to replicate their research yeah there was a whole tie that like peter's parents had been doing research that tied him to dr connor's that was going to tie to oscorp Mm -hmm. and all this stuff um just again like convoluted things that could have been solved with pacing and and the last thing that i want to say so i did the tally of how many bad guys were in this movie and so the answer may surprise you so green goblin is there rhino is there shocker is there they also introduce <laughs> Wait, um, shocker and electro oh sorry electro yep. i put I, oh no sorry i put they're the same person no, everybody like, does that they're the yeah, same yeah uh, they're sorry the same electro same. um black cat the the character the felicity jones i, felicity, I think oh, that's her yeah. name black cat she was is. in that too so really? she is not technically black cat yet but she oh, the, the character. character is introduced sure had, a, had so like much. a walkthrough role. yes oh because they killed off gwen stacy so they needed another love interest. well or so initially this is way in the weeds so they had casted someone for mary jane but then they didn't put her in the second one and so i think they were going to bring her in the third one my thought is if they were going to ram jam sinister six in, they were going to need to give spider-man some sort of ally um yeah which i think could have been black cat because sometimes she's an enemy sometimes she's an ally whatever also little known fact i totally forgotten about alistair Smythe 
if you recognize that name from Spider-Man. So I don't. He, so first off, he starts as this like scientist, rich guy, mm-hmm. smart guy, who builds robots that try to kill Spider-Man. He ultimately then becomes a mutant with laser beams on his shoulders. Yeah, he um, was. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was yeah. played by B.J. Novak in this movie. Holy um, shit. BJ Novak had a had a had a brief cameo and he was That's Alistair cool. Smythe. Um does he have I a just mutant started... name that I would recognize? Huh? I'm not sure. I think Alistair he's just, Smythe. I think it's just, just Alistair Smythe. Alistair Smythe. Sure. Just gotta look um, it up. You'll see him and you'll recognize him then. I uh about a month ago I started rewatching the original the nineties Spider Man cartoon, which like I mentioned a little bit is so bad, but That's, it's so oh, yeah. it's mm-hmm. so good bad. Um but he's like episode two, Alistair yeah. Smythe. And he, yeah. he's he's a big recurring very presence, early on. Yeah. Um, so that is five. That is five living, breathing, either enemies or soon to be potential enemies. Yeah, also, they mm-hmm. then hinted at Craven the Hunter and Mysterio in the post credit scenes. Like, Fuck. so we are up to five bad guys with two more on the way yeah. in yep. one movie. And Homecoming had Vulture. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I guess Shocker kind of. Yeah, Shocker was in there. Like, Shocker the, uh, tink- 0.5. Tinkerer was in there, technically. Like, at, at right, especially Scorpion right Scorpion was in there, technically. WB and Sony were both trying to get their Avengers movie out. Right. With mm-hmm. the plan to, like, tell the backstories afterwards. Yeah. And learning how bad of decision that was. But the thing I would say the difference, so obviously, like, Spider-Man um, Homecoming dropped some of those characters in in small bits and pieces, but then kind of, like, left them alone. These were, like, I mean, two huge bad guys up in your face the entire time, and then Rhino was teased to be one of those bad guys, and then also Sinister Six coming. So, like, they obviously just really jumped the gun. If I remember the news right, we were two movies away from a Sinister Six movie at that point. I think at that point they were talking about doing a Sinister Six trilogy in its own right. Like they were going to be the center of a movie, Mm. which I could not want at all. Yeah, Yeah. I can't. No, no, thank you. Anyway, pacing and don't (laughs) do this. Uh, Kyle, what about Man of Steel? What do you got? That isn't already pacing. (laughs) So the first pacing. Um, The second (laughs) is um, just not have Zack Schneider who can't tell a non-chronological story trying to tell a non-chronological story. Like, just get that out of there and and do it straightforward and get the story out you want. But my other other big one is how they killed Jonathan Kent, which we talked Mm -hmm. about. Yep. So, in the comics, Jonathan Kent um, dies. Similar, there's a tornado. Similar in that there's a tornado at the same time. <laughs> not not involved in his death in any way. In the comics, when Jonathan Kent dies, it's one of these kind of fixed points in time in the comics. In a t- comic that has time travel and stuff, um, Jonathan Kent always dies. Superman is off fighting and fighting a monster, saving a town from a tornado. Um, the st- it's a different thing whenever the story's been told. But he finishes, he saves the day when he picks up on, with his super hearing the sound of his dad's heart stop beating. And he mm-hmm. rushes home too late, he can't save him. And it's this always this moment of like, no matter how, he can be the biggest, the fastest, the strongest. There will just be some people, someone he can't mm-hmm. save. He can't save everyone, yeah. And they did away with that. The you know that emotional impact the core of Superman's character to 
have Jonathan Kent tell his son, keep your secret safe. People can't know you're Superman, which is just, it's just terrible. It like removes the whole, if you're going to tell that story without that point, you're removing the whole core of Superman's character. Yeah, It's like having Batman's parents die in a car crash instead of being shot down in an alleyway. Hmm. I like that twist of like, he learns the lesson that he can't save everyone and he will never yeah. be like quite strong enough, which sticks with him to like better himself without the stupid tornado scene. That's so, so dumb. Stupid. And and just, yes. the, it's not necessary. I, it, the story, the story of like Superman being off saving other people mm-hmm. to like try and help others, right. but then having a personal sacrifice be made because of it is a way better character development story. And exactly. like and easy to buy, like no one's gonna argue that. Yeah, I mean, he was yeah. he was saving he was saving the orphanage so that it didn't become yeah. an oil factory. Like, and like to, yeah, that's way better. Well, something something he had to make a decision. Something something yeah. the trolley problem. Like that's that's great. Yeah, you, and you that's can't. and that's the core of what makes every Superman like that's what makes a good Superman story from a bad one. The bad ones are where you can punch the thing to death yeah. to death or outfast it, yeah. and then the good ones are he had to save Lois Lane or stop the orphanage fire. Like (laughs) that's my biggest thing. Like you change that, you kind of add that heart, that sense of like heart and him having to try and fail to it. That just makes, that's what makes him a relatable character. It's what makes him the, the human part of Superman. And then cut 30 minutes out of the movie somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Which you because, do by again, which you do by telling the story right in order and not having to go back and yeah. explain what was ununderstandable because it's out of order. Because yeah. no comic book movie <laughs> needs to be three hours. No, I don't care who directed it. I don't care what it's about. I don't ever <laughs> want to. I don't want to sit three hours through a comic book movie. I just don't. Um, Matt, Ghostwriter, how are you gonna fix it? Yeah, yeah. I not at all. Got it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, I want to talk about Ghostwriter two. Ghost Rider parentheses to Spirit of Vengeance in this question as opposed to the first Ghost Rider. Because again, I don't think that you really need to fix the original Ghost Rider. You can tinker with it and make it better. It's never going to be a great movie, but it's fine as it is. Ghost Rider 2, on the other hand, absolute dumpster fire. Hot trash, literal garbage, not worth the $2.99 I spent to rent it on Amazon for 48 hours. It's awful. Uh, a movie that makes someone you... pay us fifty dollars and make Matt talk about this movie for an hour and a half for oh. an hour long oh. podcast. I will. I'll do it because I've that bell I'm, has been rung. I've got lots of thoughts about this movie, and I'm not going to put them all in this podcast. But again, I would like to reiterate: this is a movie that makes you think about Ghost Rider's penis not once but twice, <laughs> two whole ass times. There That's is a two cut more scene. times than I really wanted to. Yeah, yeah. there is an actual cutscene that makes you think about Ghost Rider's penis. Which well, is bad. calls it a cutscene in a movie. So <laughs> it's so what it is. That, Go ahead. That Kyle. made me think. That made me. That reminded me. Has anyone seen the in the nineties? They did an X Men swimsuit issue. What? No. And th- and there. Was I a think full I've spread, heard about this. And there's a full spread one of Ghost Rider, and the joke is that he's nude because he's a like skeleton on fire just with no like nothing on he does not like wearing underwear or pants or anything 
and that was their like centerfold of that issue was the full spread. That's Ghost Rider. I hate the uh, picture that I'm seeing. I hate the it. one with the Punisher just wearing a skull over his crotch <laughs> is great. Also, I wanted to edit what I said earlier. I said Felicity Jones um, is Black Cat. Actually, the character's name is Felicity Hardy. The mm. actress's name is Felicity Jones. I'm oh. an idiot, and you could probably understand how that would be confusing <laughs> when you're trying to keep those two things straight. Okay, so I want to finish talking about Ghost Rider 2 now. Thank you um, for making me look at nude Ghost Rider, which <laughs> I hate. Um, so yeah, Ghost Rider 2... And I, I call it a cutscene because that's literally what it is, and that's what the whole movie is riddled with. This trash of a movie <laughs> was directed by the guys who directed Crank. It's awful. Oh, it's so okay. bad. And it has all of these moments where, like, the movie is happening, and then it, like, has a cutscene where it's animated completely differently than the rest of the movie and, like, jumps away into this weird, like, hand-drawn comic book style. And then sometimes they're, like, just JPEG images of politicians. It's got, like, weird anti-capitalist undertones. This movie's a mess. But I am here to say that you can fix it with one thing. And and by fix it, I mean make it consumable. And that is you got to take out Nicolas Cage. Because where Nicolas Cage was really, really good for the first movie, the second movie is based on a different iteration of Ghost Rider. So it's still Johnny Blaze. And again, Ghost Rider lore is disgustingly convoluted. But to give you to give you a like three bullet points that you need to know, Johnny Blaze is the first Ghost Rider with a flaming skull and a motorcycle. Bullet point one. Bullet point two, that Ghost Rider is the spirit of vengeance known as Zarathos. It's a demon that the devil infused in Johnny Blaze. Point three. Johnny Blaze is sometimes infused with Zarathos. Sometimes Zarathos like fucks off and does his own thing and leaves Johnny Blaze as this like Punisher type guy. And Johnny Blaze is this person who pops up as sort of a mentor for all of the other people who become Ghost Rider in Marvel Comics. Those are the three bullet points you need to know. Woof. You went through like like eight stages of comic book lore. Yeah. In three bullet points. Uh-huh. Like we, that was, you went, took a straight shot to the deep lore. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, so here we are in Ghost Rider 2, Spirit of Vengeance, which again, is not actually a sequel. The directors are like, this is a retelling, but it has the same actor mm. in the same role as the title character, which is bad. Um, and they based it off of a 2005 six book miniseries, um, called Ghost Rider. It's like Enter Damnation or The Search for Damnation or something like that. Anyway, it was written by Garth Ennis, who is the guy who wrote the comics of the Amazon series, The Boys. Oh. And his whole thing is that superheroes ruined comic books. He likes darkness and and evil and whatever and the directors of crank did a whole bunch of cocaine read oh. a garth enos book and were like how dark can we make a ghost rider movie oh yeah and it's it's super dark it's it's too much cgi although there is this cool moment where ghost rider imbues this giant uh construction machine with hellfire and has this skyscraper tall blade cutting up people 
I don't know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but the whole thing is that you have this movie that is very, very different, is based on a different time of Ghost Rider, like a completely different thing, and you have the exact same actor playing the same character. And that is not something that you can do. Like, even if you want it to be an older Johnny Blaze and a Johnny Blaze who has been through hell and been to hell and back and, and yada, 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 you can't, you can't put Nicolas Cage in there twice mm -hmm. and throw out <laughs> literally everything from the first movie, which in the first five minutes, they give you a new origin story for Nicolas right. Cage's Johnny Blaze. It, it would be like, it would be like having Hugh Jackman as Wolverine in the first X-Men movie. And then bringing him back when they re to reboot the franchise with new people, and then having him again in a third. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, like you know how you watched Logan and it felt a little weird because you're like, this isn't the Hugh Jackman Wolverine I've always known. And I get it because it's Hugh Jackman and he's Wolverine, and this is a story that's darker. But like, it just feels weird. Now imagine that, except it's Nicolas Cage and it's full Nicolas Cage. Um, Matt, you're selling me on it. I really want to watch it now <laughs> because you, you basically told me it's Logan, but with full Nicolas Cage. That's like the perfect movie. That sounds Matt, good. in their defense, they had to make this movie or they would have had to have sold the rights back to Marvel. Yep. <laughs> Which they that is... did two years later. Two years later, they just gave it back. Yeah. Because I think that if it if a movie goes, I think it's like seven years uh, without being... If a property goes seven years, I think it is, without having a movie made, then it will automatically revert back. But obviously, like, there are sharing agreements. Like, technically, Universal owns the Hulk, so you won't see a Hulk solo movie, but you'll see, like, Hulk being in movies. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, to, to conclude this question, if you take Nicolas Cage out of Ghost Rider 2, it's... A consumable piece of media. I'm not gonna say it's good, but you can watch it and it's it's okay. Matt, in true debate this fashion, who would you cast as uh -huh. Johnny Blaze in place of Nicolas Cage in this movie? Kyle, literally anybody else. <laughs> like, <laughs> any other actor. Anyone. <laughs> Actually anyone. I think. The answer that I want is this guy named Doug Jones, who is a horror icon character actor who would have done a better job as a tormented Johnny Blaze. But that's I haven't put a lot of thought into that. Again, literally anyone other than Nicolas Cage. And it's fine. Gotcha. All right. Um, What about what about the guy who plays the not always bad guy, but sometimes bad guy from Lost? Oh, the guy I talked about a while ago as a pervert science teacher? <laughs> oh, Wait, shit. hang on. Uh, James, uh, Josh Hollow. God, is that, that, yeah, James Sawyer Ford, that's his name. Yeah, sure, literally anybody <laughs> other than okay. Nicolas Cage. All right, uh, let's, let's take a break. Um, we're going we're gonna to take a quick uh, break here, and then when we come back, um, we're done talking about uh, Ghost Rider probably for, for a while, um, so you're welcome. Uh, but we're going to do just a little quick round robin about uh, the current state of these superhero movies and uh, talk a little bit more about tone and uh, theme when we come back. Well, hi ho neighborinos. Matt here. <laughs> I've never watched Simpsons. 
Anyway, you have probably heard us talk about our Patreon a lot over the last couple of weeks. To be completely honest with you, we're just really excited that there are people out there who are that interested in supporting us that they would be willing to pitch in a little extra a month. We also understand there are tons of you who love to support the show and either don't have the funds or aren't super interested in joining with a Patreon, and that's totally okay. We would love to call on some of you folks to help support us in another way. One of the best ways for podcasts to grow and spread around the internet are with fresh user reviews. Podcast platforms see high-star reviews and assume that enough people like those shows that they should start advertising them to their other users. Now, while it is our ultimate goal to make sure every known being in the universe becomes part of hashtag Nation, we just don't have the spread amongst the four of us to make it happen alone. And that's why we are calling on you, our loyal listener, to help us out a little bit and drop a five-star review or a four-star review or maybe even a three-star review, whatever you feel like reviewing us, if you could just drop a review on whatever your podcast app of choice is, that would be great. A lot of people will push you to review on iTunes. I know I haven't opened iTunes since like 2009, so if you're listening on Spotify or CastBox or Stitcher or I don't know, whatever the hell else is out there these days. See if you can find a way to review the show and just give us a little bit of interaction. It would really help us out and we would appreciate you forever and ever for it. I'm sure there's only about half an hour left in this episode, give or take. So hopefully that is not too much time for you to forget what I just asked you to do. But if you did already, please leave us a review. It would really help and we really need some of those. Okay, thanks. Bye. All right, we're back. Um, so we we talked a lot about movies that we we all secretly love and and are often hated by uh, others in the internet. Um, so I want to shift gears just a little bit and just talk about superhero movies in general. I think one of the things we've talked about most today is tone, and and to that, just a couple of things. So obviously, we've seen a ton of success with the MCU, and I would argue in the last three or so years, they've they've definitely been almost all hits, maybe with some like rare exceptions, but. You know, we've definitely passed the like Avengers: Age of Ultron and Thor two, uh, period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, whereas, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, a good superhero movie was a fluke. Like, you know, it was a, it was a, a hidden gem. Um, for every Blade, there was three more Fantastic Fours <laughs> with uh, the guy from Nip Tuck. <laughs> <laughs> for every tim burton's batman there yeah. was a mike uh, joel schumacher, joel schumacher's batman. Batman. yeah exactly um so what do you guys think and, and we'll just we'll keep this quick give me like let's hear like one or two total answers um what makes this this most recent batch of movies so consistently good is there this magical formula or is just is it just that the world is is more into superheroes now so i've got a very easy answer that it goes into kind of the theme that i've said today is pacing um the and i would add to it that it feels as though the movies that don't have that aren't trying to move so many chess pieces and aren't trying to like check so many boxes tend to be the best that you know from from the marvel side of things if you look at like the original guardians of the galaxy so obviously it had the MacGuffin of the Power Stone. Obviously it talked about Thanos and it showed him. But like other than that, their story was just to be like weird 
you know, space pirates, suicide squad in space situation where it was just like, they're just, you're just going to introduce some characters. They're going to have a good time and they're going to loosely tie into the universe through these two things. And it made it a good movie. And I think obviously this is where the DCCU has fallen a lot. And the only outings that I would say have done a good job of, of fixing this would be um, specifically Wonder Woman was a pretty good movie because it wasn't trying to set up a ton of shit. It was yeah. like you got Wonder Woman's backstory and like how she's kind of going to tie into Batman versus Superman, but that's about it. Yeah. You know, so I would say when they're not trying to cram so much in, it becomes a better movie. And the case in point, the opposite of this would be like Thor 2, where it was literally just a movie to try and set up a bunch of shit for what was coming next and everyone universally disliked it. Yep. Fair. The thing I've been thinking about that kind of the difference between the bad movies of that time, the good movies of that time, and then what the good movies, like the movies that are do well today, all have in common, is that the good ones are family movies um, and try to, you know, be that movie you can, the parents will enjoy taking kids to fit that, that Star Wars spot. The bad ones from the early 2000s and 90s tried to be like teen or kid movies mm-hmm. where they're like they make there's always a fart joke <laughs> um the female lead ends up in her underwear at some point in every one of those movies like they they don't trust their audience to stick with them through a superhero movie unless they're like pandering to that like base crowd Halle like, Berry dribbles the shit out of a basketball. <laughs> Halle, Berry t- Halle Berry takes 4,000 cuts to, to shoot one basket <laughs> oh in two and a half minutes. It's very bad. If you didn't, if anyone out there hasn't gotten this joke already, just please just look up Catwoman basketball scene. It's, it's, it's so cringy bad. It's, it's real very, bad. Very, very bad. As bad yeah. as we are talking about it, it's yeah, like, worse than it's, that. It's amazing how all of those people, all of the, all of those actors in that scene are just like, not aren't, aren't just like absolutely fuck. No, like absolutely not doing this. (laughs) There's everyone from that, from shooting it to the day it got released in theaters. So watch that scene and decided that makes it into the final cut. It went through so many checks. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead, Kyle. Sorry. That's basically my, my, the difference between the good and the bad is they they don't talk down to the audience. They don't they expect everyone showing up to these movies to at least meet them halfway and be on board for a superhero movie so they can get out of the way of everything else and just to otherwise be a good action movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think to kind of wrap up what both of you guys have said and to to just conclude i think there sort of is a secret formula and i think that the mcu has kind of fine-tuned it and i think that that formula is don't get caught up in the backstory like we've said on this podcast a bunch of times i don't need to watch uncle ben die i don't need to watch the waynes get shot they're a superhero i get it you know if it's a character like iron man spend five ten minutes building an interesting backstory but you don't need to show me just the moment of trauma and then jump forward like so many of the 90s and 2000s superhero movies did so don't focus on the backstory give me a diluted consumable superhero movie 
So give me a movie that I can watch and have not read the comic books and still enjoy the story. And movies like, I don't know, Ant-Man did a really good job of that. Thor Ragnarok did a really good job of that, where if you've watched all the other movies or you've read the comics, you'll get all of the Easter eggs. But if you come in cold off the street, Black Panther is another really good example. Like if you come in cold off the street, you can watch a superhero movie that is fun and looks cool and you know the names of the five main characters and the villain, and that's all you need. And I think that that's really important. I think the the thing the MCU learned is that or they were willing to change the canon. Like, they would divert mm-hmm. from comic book canon so that the the villain is somewhat involved in the origin story as mm-hmm. well as the third act, like, through the second act and third act. Where, like, I'm pretty sure, like, Daredevil and at least, and I'm sure a couple others, like, the first act of Daredevil is just the origin story with the chemicals mm-hmm. in his eyes. And then two and three is the whole yeah. boxing and dad storyline. Like, it takes up a, a I feel beat. like they've been, they've kind of dabbled with that for a long, because I'm thinking back to Tim Burton's Batman and the original Batman. Wasn't it, like, the Joker was the guy that shot his parents in the Tim Burton one. Yeah. Yeah. Was something it? weird like that, which might or, be yeah. comic book canon. Actually. Mm-hmm. I don't no, think, I don't it think it is. Okay. Comic cool. book yeah. canon. It is someone named a uh, criminal named Joe chill. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I'm Joe chill. Um, Tim Burton famously didn't read the comics either. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think to, to part of what Matt said about like, don't get lost in the weeds of the origin story. I, I think one of the other early ones that did this really, really well was Doctor Strange mm-hmm. that yeah. 10 or 12 minutes into the movie, like yeah. he has his car accident and yep, like yep. it sets you off like to go. Not even that, not even that long. He's, yeah. he's in Tibet. In, yeah. They're like, they're like, he is, he is a, he is, he is, if Tony Stark were, were a neurosurgeon, that is this guy. Yeah. Yep. Also, mm-hmm. he's really cocky and it's going to come to get him. Oh, it got him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We're, we're doing this now. Yeah, I think you've cited that before. I think that's a, that's probably one of the best examples. Maybe that or Captain Marvel of like pacing an origin story of a character that no one knows about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then my last bit of the secret mm-hmm. formula is that you can't take it too seriously. And I think yeah, that yeah. is the downfall of most of the 2000s movies Man, is that they I, are so, that more. so, so serious. Mm-hmm. And that honestly, all of those reasons are part of the reason that I think Ghost Rider is good. But another example of that, I think, is Hellboy. Like the first Hellboy mm-hmm. yeah. was the right amount of backstory, the right amount of diluted consumable story, and the right amount of like campy jokiness without losing. This is a serious situation, but we can still laugh about it, which I think is what the MCU has done so well. And I think is also why the DCCU continues to flop because they just force the dark on you which is dc's whole thing but like well and then and then when they tried to correct it and make batman versus superman and justice league funny they overcorrected and just pat like it was too like haha like a thousand people but just died but funny quip like ooh, yeah yeah yes. yeah yeah um that's actually so that's a really good segue and the last thing i want to talk about which uh to bring up again camp um, which I again, like I said, I think it's really, really crucial to uh, the comic book world. 
Um, you know, and I think about just like the old comic books with the the bang, thwip, you know, like they all have and all the all the inner monologuing and just all the just general silliness. And we I mean, this that's the one thing that's pervasive in all these things is just like comics are silly, man. Like, I don't care how gritty you want to be like there. It's just a silly thing. And, and Matt already mentioned this, but everything, you know, became much more serious after the 2000s. Post 9-11 superheroes are much grittier than pre-9-11 superheroes. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we have a lot of that. This, that we have uh, Batman Begins to thank for that. So take for that what you will. Um, do you guys, you know, give me just again, give me a tight, a tight two. But is there room for, for camp? And, and I'm not talking Guardians of the Galaxy camp, but I'm talking about like the original Batman, like the Alan or the Adam West Batman, Alan West, the Adam <laughs> West Batman, where it was like just just silly fun. Like, is there would that would that even be able to exist anymore? I'll I'll give you the quickest answer, and that's that's no, and here's why: just because that's not gonna, it's definitely not gonna fly in a, a full movie. Um, maybe they could do it in a quick like one-off fun thing, but I think what we get instead of like standalone camp is now we get fun winks and nods to things mm-hmm. like that. And the best example that I had written down is that Spider-Man 3, barring everything that happened in 1 and 2 um, right yeah. now in the current Spider-Man trilogy, this next one with Tom Holland could start with him like busting up a, a heist by Paste Pot Pete. You know, and he could say, and it could be Paste Pot Pete, a dude with a glue gun and a vat on his back. Yeah. And it could be very like campy and jokey. But that's like the first three minutes of the movie. And then it moves on or like when Iron Man, um, when Wong saves Iron Man's life in Infinity War and he says, Wong, you're invited to my wedding before he takes off. Like, I think we get those fun, really lighthearted movies in these really serious moments. And that is the camp that we now get. We'll no longer we will not Mm -hmm. get like the old Adam West camp. (laughs) We're not ever going to get that. But we'll get small winks and nods. Somebody bring back the tick. That's what yeah. we really need. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. You're not gonna get that'll have to be its own thing again on yeah. the Amazon yeah. Prime special, which I think it was for a bit. So um I'll I'll jump in and say I think we do get a little bit of that old camp. Um it's rare, but it happens. The one that comes to mind is the um gigantic Pac-Man in Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> yeah. 2. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. That's it's pretty campy, you know? Mm-hmm. And like granted we brought up Guardians as the example of camp, but um other than that, you also get kind of the the camp shrouded in irony in like mm-hmm. um into the Spider-Verse with the like okay, here's the story and like each each new Spider-Man starts their or like is tired of telling yeah. their origin story. Yeah. Um like that's that's campy, but it's it's ironic camp. Um that's how we get our camp nowadays is like you have to you have to tell people it's camp Mm -hmm. because the the dum-dums that come see the movie don't get camp Mm -hmm. is is basically what it is so you have to sneak it in on them sure sure yeah i honestly i I had pulled up a couple of examples of things that i thought were like recently campy and and decent and the tick was the first thing that i pulled up um the second thing i pulled up was kick-ass uh the f- oh, first one good call yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. which is like i like that movie a lot i do too both yeah. of the kick asses yeah. i think are really good but the first one i think is is a good amount of camp and it's pretty dark um mm-hmm. but it's got yeah. that real campy undertone um i also shazam would shazam's another good example too of yeah like shazam's recent, 
pretty campy. I would say yeah. Shazam is a terrible example of a good movie, but I'm not here to make that <laughs> argument today. Um, I really I, see. I really liked Shazam. Uh, I thought it was I really hated a lot of fun. Shazam, but I think I hated the yeah. actor more than anything. But all right. Anyway, fair. Um, superhero movie in in the era of spoof mm. movies starring Drake Bell as like the Dragonfly or whatever what? the hell. Uh, um, and then the one that really kind of jumped to mind as like campy superhero movies was The Incredibles and The Incredibles Two. Uh, mm. which are still superhero movies and I think are yep. dripping in a lot of good camp. And yeah. uh, Into the Spider-Verse is a good example too, but I think that you can do a campy movie. You've just got to commit to the bit. You've got to go all in 100% of the way. Like Kyle said, you got to tell them it's camp. And whether you do that in the branding or you do it in the movie, like commit to the bit or it's not going to go. And I think the Adam West Batman committed to that bit. So if yeah. you're asking mm-hmm. if you could make an Adam West style or an Adam West Batman style movie in 2020, I think you can do it if you commit to the bit. They did already, and it's called Lego Batman. Yeah. And it's yeah. Will Arnett play he's playing a very Adam West mm-hmm. Batman. And yeah. people yeah. and I, I haven't and seen people it, like but it. it's well it's, I, well loved. That's, that's, right. really that's where camp can live yeah in the really lego movie like it yep, can that's a good i think that's the right answer cool well with that um let's let's uh let's break for today's and thanks everybody for listening in uh speaking of committing to the bit why don't you follow along <laughs> on our arguments on twitter facebook and instagram at debate this cast you can check out our website at debate and finally if you haven't heard about it yet we are on patreon it's no longer new so i'm going to update these notes here but we are <laughs> definitely on patreon um and we have a couple of levels if you are open to and willing to uh subscribe or donate whatever verb you want to use uh you can <laughs> you can choose to uh patron us at uh at the two dollar level to be a part of our our discord where we talk about a lot about these kinds of things we talk about the latest video games um the latest marvel movies and most commonly cursed images which man our <laughs> discord is a wild weird great terrible time big shout out at chrissy lynn who is just blown up crushing the- the cursed, the cursed, the cursed images really channel. brought really brought a, a very unique energy. So, I checked so it while we were recording this, and I shouldn't have. It's it's <laughs> yeah, 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 it's yeah. rough in there. Um, at five dollars, that's the that's the meat and potatoes right there. Then you have access to our premium feed, uh, which is right now home of the Office Drones, the Forbogorfin, the Office <laughs> Drones, uh, Dungeons and Dragons campaign. But that's Dungeons and Dragons isn't very much in air quotes. It's not your, it's not your, it's not your dad's D and D. It's it's just D and D about staplers. <laughs> it is so actually, in fact, your dad's D and D. Actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's probably best described this. as your dad's D and D. Um, we're having a really fun time with that. Uh, we just released another episode. Um, well, it would have been last week as this recording, so we'll probably have released another one by this point. So, yeah, thumbs up. And then finally, for the for the big ticket item, if you if you decide to patron us at fifty dollars, and that's fifty dollars one time, not necessarily monthly, you will have the ability to commission your own flavor text episode. Now, at the time of this recording, we haven't released it yet, but it should be out after before this comes out. Uh, our very first commissioned flavor text, which was about Guy Fieri. So, <laughs> when we say we will talk about anything. We mean we will talk Ron, about anything. We mean Ron Burgundy will will read whatever is anything that's on the teleprompter. Nay, then whatever that woman says it in that movie. You know, I just referenced a seventeen-year-old movie. That's a good one. Until next time, I'm Andrew Henderson. I'm 
Kyle, holy rusted manhole Batman Harper. I'm Todd. Bring BJ Novak to the MCU along with Paul Giamatti Thomas. And I'm Matt. I thought about Ghost Rider's penis. Now you have to cold. We're saying thanks for debating with us. And if you think Matt's wrong, then you can specifically come and fight him behind the proverbial swing sets. Where we've tied him up and he can't fight back. (laughs) Common nerds. (laughs) See ya, everybody.